Hey, Journey, good to be with all of you this morning. Uh, anybody go out and hit up Twilight on opening weekend? Yeah, yeah me neither. <laughs> me neither. No, really, I, I spent a lot of time with high school students, so that means I have to go to Twilight with my wife. That's kind of just how, how it worked, right? Uh, but anyway, I lost all credibility now. Uh, they, here, let me, let me regain some. There's this verse in the Bible, right? There's a lot of verses, actually, but there's one in particular that teaches us how to pray like Jesus. There's a a specific verse there, and and many of you have probably heard it. Many of you have actually probably even recited it out loud, right? It goes like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, you've heard that, right? Right? Your version might have some arts in it or some thighs in it, but it's the, it's the same one. And as I was preparing then for this weekend, uh, I kind of realized how often I just breeze across what it is that Jesus wanted us to pray. Uh, I've become so good at memorizing things that it actually lost its meaning. Uh, and, and it's just like, wow, it's kind of a wake-up call, Right? This whole directive on how to pray, it, it actually comes right after this teaching where, where Jesus talks about giving to those in need. Right? So they're, they're kind of connected in that way. And you see what it is we're praying is for his kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. Like those aren't just words, right? That, that's a powerful prayer when we actually think about what it is we're saying. Because wouldn't that mean then that God's kingdom that he's talking about wasn't just meant for some other place, but like that it could happen here and it could happen now. Like it, it appears to me when, when I read this that Jesus wasn't just calling for a kingdom come for, for all these people in the afterlife, but rather for like all nations all over the earth, right? Because he's a worldwide God bringing everybody together. And he actually intends for us to be a part of bringing that kingdom to earth, right? The, The earth that we occupy. We could maybe even start a movement and we could, we could call it Occupy Earth, Kingdom Come, right? Or not either. That's a, a good option too, a couple of them. But, but that's, that's what this series that we're in right now is, is all about, right? We're calling it Kingdom Come, and it's all about us praying and believing and also participating, participating in bringing God's kingdom to earth. How cool is that? Let me pray for us this morning. God, we just come before you this morning, and we ask that you would remove anything from our lives that we might be carrying in from this, this last week, whether it's good or bad, and that, that you would allow us to focus our, our hearts directly on you. May we believe that you have something specific for each one of us in this room, that you want to speak it to our hearts personally, God. I pray that we would be open to that. And God, we, we, just, we just come before you in, in awe of a holy God. And in our prayer is that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, that it's all about you, and that's why we're here. We love you. Give you the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's, let's get to it here. Uh, first up, first up, anybody here ever come up with an excuse? 
Just any excuse for anything. Anybody? A couple of you? Yeah, good, okay. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to think in your, in your head, right? Like, because that's where you do your thinking. Come up with the best excuse you've ever come up with. Think, think it, get it right now. Come on. Don't just stare at me. Like, do you got it? Okay, turn to your neighbor and share that excuse with them so that maybe they could use it another time. Go ahead, share it with your neighbor. Tell them your best excuse ever. Tell them, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Tell them your best excuse ever. Some of you are not participating. That's okay. Right, okay. So now, now I'm sure that all of your excuses were wonderful. I bet your excuses were awesome. But guess what I did? I googled best excuse ever, and guess what I found? The best excuse ever, right? Like how crazy is Google? You put in what you want and you get it back and it's there. And so I have the best excuse ever and I'm gonna share it with you and I'm actually gonna give you permission to use it in your lives whenever you need to as if that means anything. But here, here it is, right? This is from Kim Kwong Min and he's the coach of North Korea's women's soccer team, okay? And, and just, just so you know, North Korea maybe has a little bit of a history of fabricating Things And so he, here's what the coach had to do, right? He's at the end of this tournament, right? End of the soccer tournament. He's at the press table there. They're asking him questions. And then they ask him, they're like, coach, uh, could you maybe give us an explanation for your team's failure in this tournament? And wanted to know why they had failed so badly. And so he, he says this, he says, a mysterious lightning bolt struck many members of the team, leaving no visible marks, but wiping out all their skills. <laughs> right, that, like, that's what he said. Like, end of conversation, right? What are you going to say to that? What are you going to say to that? I'll not make any grisly jokes at this time. Uh, right? So I just, I just want to say, like, hey, if, God, if God doesn't use me today to speak into your life, on my way here, there was this lightning, and, and it struck me, and yeah, never mind, right? Like, uh, on, a, on a serious note, though, and, and I actually find in my life I have to preface before I speak something serious with that, because usually it's not. And so here, here's a serious thought for you. Uh, I actually think that we're a pretty excuse-prone culture. Like, the, the world we live in is a pretty excuse-prone culture. We always have our reasons, Right, we always have our reasons, and I find this especially true when it comes to living like Jesus. Like we always come up with excuses. For instance, last week uh, Brian issued this challenge to all of us, and it's a challenge that I'll be reissuing again today, where he challenged us to see and feel and act just as Jesus does in this section of Scripture, Matthew fourteen fourteen, that we'll look at in a little bit. But but here's the thing with this. When it comes to seeing as Jesus saw, when it comes to feeling as Jesus felt, and when it comes to acting as Jesus acts, we often come up with excuses not to participate. Right? We'll, we'll say things like, uh, I'm just not ready yet. Right? Well, we're, not, we're not ready yet. We're not qualified. We're afraid. My personal favorite, what I always say, we'll just do it later, right? We're, we're too messed up. It'll make us uncomfortable. We don't have the time or the money or the influence or the intellect or the education or the ability or the skill, right? Or maybe we'll even say things like, ah, when I'm healthy, I'll get to that. Or when I get over this pain in my life, when God gives me another sign, when I'm rested, when I have some free time, or maybe when, when my family gets their act together, 
Or we'll say things like, when I've saved enough, or paid this off, or dot, 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 right? The list goes on. And you know what excuses are like, don't you? Right? Like, they all stink. They all stink. But let me just say that that doesn't mean that, that these excuses aren't valid concerns that don't really affect our hearts and our lives. Like, I, I don't want to trivialize that all of us are actually trying to figure out how to live this life for Jesus. We're all on this journey together, and, and it's absolutely a journey that is never easy, but it is a journey that's always worth it. We're trying to figure it out together. And so what I want to do is I want to go back and look at what Jesus was up to. Right, what he was up to before we look at that moment where in Matthew 14, 14, right, we're challenged to see and feel and act just as Jesus does. So I'm going to give you a little background as to why he actually ended up in this place in which he sees, feels, and acts. And so here, here's the background. We're going to look at Matthew 14. We're going to start in the first verse. So that's on your notes page. You could even, in a real life Bible, you could go there or you can check it up here. Here we go. Uh, When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. Right, we're going to talk about John the Baptist here, and so apparently John the Baptist could do miracles, and so could Jesus. So here's what it says. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. So what's going on is like all these rulers are like stealing wives and intermarrying and taking this person. And John's like, not cool, guys. Not cool. So here's Herod's response to that. Herod wanted to kill John. Right? But he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. John the Baptist had a following of people who believed what he was saying. They were like, yep, we're on board with John the Baptist and what he's saying. And so he couldn't just kill him. So here's what happened. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. Like that is a great dance, right? People have told me that I am a great dancer and nobody's ever offered me anything I want. So this one must have been exceptional. And so here's what she says. At, at her mother's urging, the girl said, right, her mother has some influence on her. She says, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray, Then the king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow that he had made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So apparently he kind of had a pride thing and he was just going to follow through with it, right? So here's what happened. John was beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. Now, I want us to put ourselves in, in Jesus' sandals, right? Like I was going to say Jesus' thongs, but I feel like that's distracting, right? Like Jesus' Jesus's sandals here. So, so what happens, right? John the Baptist is Jesus' friend, or you need to know that about John the Baptist. He is friends with Jesus. Like this is the man who baptized Jesus at the outset of his ministry, This is the man who went before preparing the way of Jesus. He was was preaching the same message that Jesus was going to be preaching. Like John the Baptist and Jesus were were deeply connected on a spiritual level, right? Like there was something that brought them together. And so that's why this is such a big deal. Like maybe just to simplify this 
for me, not for you, but, but for me. Like Jesus just found out that his friend John had been beheaded. Like that's what's happening here. John had been beheaded. And so lest we forget, right, like that Jesus was fully human too, right? Jesus would have felt heartache. He would have felt pain. He would have been hurt by the fact that his friend had just been killed in prison. Like that, that was something that was going on inside of Jesus too. He felt that. And so that's why what happens next is all the more meaningful as we start to pursue what it might look like to see and feel and act as Jesus is about to do. So we're going to pick up the story again now in verse 13. Here's, here's how it unfolds. As soon as Jesus heard the news, right, the news is that his friend John the Baptist had been beheaded. As soon as he hears the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. I think that's important too, right, because what, what do we want to do when, when someone, maybe, maybe you've experienced this, someone you love dies, right, maybe unexpectedly as well. You want to go and be alone. You want an opportunity to mourn. Like, that's what Jesus is trying to do. He's getting in the boat to go and be alone because he just found out that his friend, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. It's kind of a big deal. And so here's what happens. But the crowds heard where he was headed, and they followed him on foot from many towns. Here's the key verse. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Right, that's the seeing, feeling, and acting piece. And here's what follows that. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Another point in which we stop and we, we look at that and we go, okay, so Jesus had a second chance to send people away. Like that would have been an easy thing. There was no reason for them to be there. He could have sent them away and been alone again. Right, but he didn't choose to do that. He didn't choose, he says this, Jesus said, that isn't necessary. He says, you feed them. Disciples are like, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people, right, the people that he could have sent home, the people that came to him right when he got off that boat, he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Right, like with, with this view of Jesus and, and his character as our foundation, I want us to go forward now, and I'm going to ask a question for each aspect of what it means to see and feel and act as Jesus did. So we're going to start with the scene. We're going to start with seeing as Jesus saw, because honestly, if, if we don't get this, like this is where it all begins. If we don't, if we don't get this, we'll never get to, to live and experience truly participating in the, the pursuit of kingdom come, like of bringing that kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. So in, in regard to seeing, here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Are we seeing through people? Are we seeing through people, right? Because if we look at how Jesus sees the people as he steps off the boat, right? People that, that were all up in his business, he was trying to get away, and here they are. Apparently, it was a large crowd because it said he fed over 5,000, right? Like, that's a bit overwhelming, isn't it? And, and there, here they come, boom, coming off the boat, right? Oh, there's the crowd, and, and he sees them. 
right? And he does not ignore them. He does not send them away. So when we see what Jesus sees, right, we have to ask ourselves, how do we see people? How do we see people? Because what happens so often in, in our culture and in our world is that, that we only see people if they have like money or, or power, that's usually men we see that way, or if they have, have beauty, then that's how we see women, right? And so if a person doesn't offer us any of these things, we're prone to see right through them. Right? Or we, we could just simply put it like this. We tend to look at people who have money or, or power or beauty and we look through people without. We look through people without. A, a professor of mine in, in seminary, he's kind of challenged me on this whole like seeing as Jesus sees thing. And he tells this story of this time he was at a grocery store. And, and he's very, my professor's very similar to, to you and I. And so when he goes to a grocery store and he's, he's picked up all his groceries and it's time to check out, right, he starts to scan the checkout lines. And he's like, okay, who... Who's going to get through here fast? Who doesn't have a lot of items? Who's maybe more prone to be slower in line? You know who those people are, right? And, and he's, he's evaluating it. And so this one time he's at the grocery store and he picks his line. He commits, right? He goes all into his line and then he's waiting. People in front of him, he's anxious to leave. I don't know why it is when we get in line at the grocery store, we're always anxious to leave, right? And he, he's excited to get out of there. He wants to, to go. And so here's this lady in front of him. Right, just checking there, checking the bags and the groceries and putting them on. All of a sudden, it's time to pay. She pulls out this envelope, and in the envelope are our food stamps. And I, I don't know if you know anything about food stamps, and I'm not even positive if I remember the story exactly right. But but when you fill out the food stamps to pay for your groceries, you have to like fill out a form for each food stamp you use. So you have to spend the time filling out the form and they put it in an envelope and then you have to fill out another one for the other food stamp you might have to use. Like it's actually quite a humiliating process for for someone who's in a situation in which they need to use food stamps. And the whole time he's like, oh my gosh, I picked the wrong line. This is taking forever. And finally he gets outside and it dawns on him. It like occurs to him that he was looking right through that woman, right through someone who had nothing to offer him. He didn't even see her for who she was. And so often in scripture, we read about Jesus, it usually says that he looked and then said. Like Jesus saw people. He saw people at a soul level. Like he he saw them for who they really were. Right? And, and the truth of it is the poor and the marginalized, those who are destitute and downtrodden, they're so often invisible to us. We can't even see them. And if we're actually going to be transformed by Christ, like if we're going to actually become like Jesus, then we have to begin to see people that no one else sees because Jesus saw everyone. He saw everyone. And so this this formation process of becoming like Jesus, it's actually about seeing. It's about an awareness of who these people are all around us. Because when we begin to see what we haven't seen before, that's when we start to know what God wants from us. He wants us to truly see people so that we might also see him. He wants us to stop looking through people. 
right? And once we begin to see as Jesus saw, then we can begin to feel as Jesus felt, right? So you remember how in that story in Matthew, Matthew 14, 14, it says that Jesus saw the huge crowd, right? He, he saw them first as he stepped from the boat, and then he had compassion for them, right? He had compassion on them. His heart went out for them. He felt for them, right? They weren't just people in his way. He saw them for who they were, and he healed their sick, right? Jesus saw, and then he felt. He had compassion on the crowd, and so, so the question I want to ask us when it comes to feeling as Jesus felt is this, is inconvenience our excuse? Is inconvenience our excuse? Because here's the thing, right? We already came up with a boatload of excuses that we could use. I'm sure we could add to that. We could all come up with our own excuses. But when we look at Jesus and his life, it's proof that these excuses that we've come up with just don't fly. Like, because every time we do those excuses, it starts to push us further and further away from being the people of God. We're farther from who he intended us to be. And so as Jesus stepped from that boat, right, what could he have done? He could have got back on that boat. He could have gone out back into the water and been alone. He could have ignored the people. He could have gone around them. He could have sent them away, right? Because what was Jesus feeling? He was mourning. He was hurting. Jesus was broken inside too, Right, but in, in the middle of that, like it was, it's just not some little news that your friend is beheaded in prison. Right, like, and so if we look at that, right, like if anyone had an excuse to ignore the crowd, it would have been Jesus. Right, we wouldn't have held that against him either, would we? We'd have been like, Jesus, that totally makes sense that you got back in the boat for a little bit and floated around and were alone. Like we would have given, we, oh, that's okay. But that's not what he did. Because Jesus saw the people, not through them. And he wasn't about to let the inconvenience of the moment be an excuse not to feel, not to have compassion for these people. Like he loved them when he saw them. He wasn't about to let this potential list of excuses keep him from feeling for the crowd. Just like he wasn't going to let this compassion that he now had for them be the end of it. Like that's not where it stopped. But I, for, for me, that's one of my biggest struggles. Once I finally step through and I, and I see people for who they are and I have compassion on them, like, that's the end. Good job, Chris. You had compassion. But that, that's what happens and that that's not where it ends. And so we have to ask ourselves, what's next? What's next? Right, and we can sum it up in one word, right? We Act. We act. We do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. We give of our, our time differently. We give of our money differently. We give of our, our lives and ourselves differently. All because we're starting to see people as Jesus sees people and feel for people as Jesus feels for people. And so now we must act as Jesus acted on behalf of other people. Like It's, it's almost like we need to just wake up. We need to wake up. And so what we're going to do right now, the band's going to come out, and they're going to they're play a song for us. And, and as they play, in a, in a moment here, I'm actually going to invite you to stand, and we'll kind of do that together. But what my, my challenge is for you is that you would reflect on the words we're about to sing. 
right? They, they, you can sing if you're so inclined, that's fine. But I want you to begin to evaluate what it means for you, right? Not what it means for somebody sitting next to you, not what it means for somebody who should have been here with you this weekend. I want you to evaluate what it means for you to see and to feel and to act as Jesus did. Reflect on what it actually means to live as if Jesus were living your life. So let's stand together and join the band as they lead us in this, and I'm going to come back after that.
having compassion in this acting piece. It's not just something for us to live out. It's actually something for us to accept as well. Right? Accept that Jesus looks on us, that Jesus sees us. Right? And when he sees us, he is filled with compassion. And his compassion is not empty. It's what leads him to action. Or like action deeply rooted in the fact that he sees us and he loves us. Right? And in his, his ultimate action isn't just healing the, the sick people that he comes across as he steps out of the boat. Or his ultimate action isn't feeding over 5,000 people. Right? His ultimate action is that he went to the cross to die for each and every one of us. 
He saw us and he loved us and he was so compelled to action that he was willing to die for you and for me. Like Jesus loves us enough to die for us. And when, when, when I start to think about that, when I try as hard as I can to wrap my, my mind and my heart around that, like this must compel us to see as Jesus sees. Right? Because he first saw us, this must compel us to act and feel as Jesus felt, right? Like with, with deep emotional feeling, with, with deep sacrificial action. We must be compelled to live that out too. And we won't be able to see people as Jesus sees people, right? And until we believe to the very core of our being that Jesus sees us first. That Jesus sees us. He had compassion and he felt for us. His heart went out to us and so he chose to give his life for us. Go ahead and set your things aside right now and maybe just find a, a posture of prayer and be, be quiet and still in this moment before God and let's use this time to reflect on the truth that Jesus sees us. Maybe, maybe you can spend this time and you need to ask God to help you see or feel or act as he does. Maybe you know God is compelling you to focus on some specific action and you need to pray through that. Maybe there's some follow through that you need to do. Maybe you need to, to, to pray about the destruction of some excuses in your life. And as you just listen and pray before God right now, maybe we could also pray that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven and that he might allow us to participate in that take this time now and I'll close this in a couple minutes As you continue to just take this time with God, I want to just speak to anybody who might be in this room today who hasn't given their life to Jesus, who hasn't handed over control to him. And maybe today was, was the, the, the first day you, you really took to heart the fact that, that Jesus sees you and loves you just as you are and that he chose to die for you. And today's the day you're ready to say, all right, I wanna wanna go all in on that. I I wanna live this life that Jesus is calling me to. I wanna wanna take this free gift and embrace it and make my life about that. And 
if that's you today, you could just, in the, the quiet of your own heart, pray this prayer along with me. and go something like this. We would just say, God, today is the day I give you control of my life. I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who sees me and has compassion on me and has chosen to die for me. Thank you for that gift, God. I I know there's things that I've done in my life. There's sin in my life. And I ask that because of Jesus to the cross that you would forgive me for that, that you would make me clean. You would make me brand new today, God. God, I ask that today be the day I give you all of me and I start over in relationship with you. And if you, if you prayed that prayer and that that's something you're committing to today, I want you to know that like nothing in the world carries more weight than that. I've actually never met a single person in all my life who's regretted handing over their lives to God. It's so important and it's so meaningful and it's so powerful that we just ask that you would slip up your hand and you'd make eye contact with me and you just say, yeah, that, that's me today. And so if that was you, you, you making that decision, would you just be bold enough to, to do that right now? You can make eye contact with me and say, yeah, that, I'm all in today. Yep, see you back there. Hey, you can put that stake in the ground today. celebrate that with you too I don't want to miss anybody God we just are so in awe of who you are and that, that you love us so much and I my, my prayer for all of us in this room is that we would, we would truly begin to understand that, that you see us and that you love us and that you died for us and that that wouldn't just be the end of it, that we would not walk out of this room this morning the exact same as the way we came in, but that, that we, would, we would leave emboldened by the power of your spirit and that you would give us eyes to see. Jesus, as you see, that you would give us hearts to feel as you've felt, God, and in it, Above that, we wouldn't end there, but that you would give us the hands and then the, the feet to carry out the action of being your people. We just give you our lives, God. We, we ask that you would do things that are beyond anything we could come up with or ask for on our own by, by the power of your spirit at work within us. We are yours and we love you and we ask that you would receive all the glory. In your name we pray, amen.